This is C-SPAN's The Weekly for November 9th, 2018. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. It was on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918 that major hostilities of World War I formally ended. Every year we commemorate that moment with Veterans Day. And this year marking the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I, Joining us is the executive director of the Army National Military Cemeteries, Karen Durham Aguilera. Our focus is Arlington National Cemetery, its commitment to service members, its annual National Veterans Day observances, as well as the cemetery's expansion plans. But we begin with this somber, solemn moment, which occurs every day at Arlington. Taps at Arlington National Cemetery, part of the solemn ceremony that takes place every day at Arlington. As you hear that, what comes to mind? Well, thanks, Steve. Uh, I, I never remain unaffected by the playing of taps, no matter how many times I hear it and all the dedicated men and women that serve at Arlington. Um, anyone that comes there will hear that several times a day. It is played at every single uh, military uh, burial that we do. And then also at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, uh, whenever there is a wreath laying, uh, you will hear taps played as well. So it's a, it's a very solemn reminder of the respect and the dignity and honor we provide to our veterans and our patriots. As we commemorate veterans this month and the end of World War I, let's take a step back, if we could. Before Arlington Cemetery, where were your soldiers buried? Well, there were very few military cemeteries at that time. Um, in this area, there were two cemeteries, one at the uh, Old Soldiers and Airmen's Home. So that cemetery is even older than Arlington National Cemetery. And there was also a cemetery in Alexandria. So during the Civil War in 1864, uh, Arlington National Cemetery became a cemetery for the military. Uh, and the reason for that is during the Civil War, the U.S. government or the Union uh, seized the grounds uh, that originally belonged to Mary Custis Lee because it was the highest point of defense around the capital area. And then with time, it was established uh, as a military cemetery. As you walk through the cemetery, see the tombstones, what goes through your mind? There are over 400,000 people laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. There are Americans there and their eligible family members from every single conflict uh, that this country uh, has been involved in, every single one. And so there's the past of how Arlington National Cemetery came to be, you know, and then there's the, uh, the recent past 
and the current where we have veterans today, again, from every conflict, including those that have been discovered and identified, and then those that are serving in the current conflict. So there's a, a, a just a huge mix of veterans and patriots that have served this country. What's remarkable in a major metropolitan area near an airport, near the Pentagon, is just how peaceful it is. Well, we've tried to to make it feel that way as much as we can. Um, for example, we want all of our families that are there to see their loved one laid to rest to feel as if they're the only ones there in the cemetery. So we manage using the entire cemetery. There will be five or six burial services going on at the same time, starting at 9 in the morning till about uh, 4 p.m. in the afternoon. But we try to arrange things so that a family at a particular time thinks they're the only the only people going on in the cemetery. That is no casual matter because we get uh, average 11,000 people a day that are there to visit, pay their respects to this hollow ground and the national icon. We have honor flights and tour buses and student groups and wreath lane ceremonies. And then we also have a lot of construction as we repair some of our infrastructure and then also make improvements. I just remain amazed at the way our team can do this every day in, in almost a, a seamless manner. We truly strive to be perfect. Explain that process. Just how does it work? Well, first, we have literally hundreds of families that call us to request a burial service. So we always have more of a demand than we can ever do. We average nearly 30 burials a day, every single day. And then on Saturdays, we will have up to 10 services where there's no military honors. But sometimes for the families, Saturday's the only thing that works for them, and that's what they request. So family will call into our call center. They will request a burial service for their veteran or for that eligible family member. There's a certain amount of documentation they have to provide to us. We have to determine that the person is indeed eligible for burial at Arlington National Cemetery. And then depending on the level of honors and escorts that are rendered and that branch of the armed service that provides the honor guard, families can wait any time from, from a few weeks for a dependent to six to nine months to be able to schedule you know, a service for their family member. And when you see these ceremonies, I know you've seen so many, what's the reaction of the survivors as they bury their loved ones? Well, it varies. Uh, for the people that are there for what we call repatriation, in other words, their loved one was missing in action or killed in action in World War II, for example. But then they're discovered decades later, and then they're identified. And then the family chooses to lay them to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It provides peace and comfort, you know, that they finally have their loved one home and that they're not alone. And then for, more currently, for those that are killed in action or those that have other abrupt death for the active duty, it can be very hard. It's hard on families, especially with young children. And so there's a whole gamut of emotions that go on at our services every day. The criteria has changed over the years. What is it currently? So currently, a, a veteran is eligible if they've had at least one day of active duty service other than training. Um, they also, if they served and then got out but did not retire, they had to have an honorable discharge. And then there's different criteria for those that can be laid to rest above ground in our column barons and niche walls. Those are what we call those traditional veterans that serve but are not, reserving, not drawing retirement pay. 
And then below ground are for retirees, but then there's also others as well, killed in action, uh, prisoners of war, you know, those that receive valor awards such as silver or star and above. There's, there's different uh, eligibility as far as where we bury and the type of honors we render. But those are the, the minimal requirements is at least one day of active duty other than training and um, serving um, honorable, being of honorable standing or have received an honorable discharge. What about a spouse or family members? So their eligibility is determined by the veteran. So spouses are eligible as long as they were married, still married at the time of death. Children are eligible as well. Children are eligible. And then we also have uh, what we call uh, adult-dependent child. In other words, a, a person who, despite being an adult, for medical or other reasons, was dependent upon their parents their entire life, then they are eligible as well. Karen Durham Aguilera, Arlington Cemetery in 1864 and Arlington Cemetery in 2018. How has it grown? How has it changed? How has it evolved? So in 1864, Arlington began as a little over 200 acres, and today it's over 600 acres. And so the cemetery has expanded within that original footprint uh, with time. And so recently, just, uh, just in September, we opened up our latest uh, new area inside the, the cemetery that we called Millennium. Uh, that provided another 27 acres, and we're using that today uh, for active burial space. That, that was a really special day because we did two things. You know, first, we dedicated our latest addition to the cemetery. But we also laid to rest two unknown Union soldiers who were discovered on the Battle of Manassas, and they fell in actions for Bull Run II. So to be able to connect the, the, the past, the origins of the cemetery, with the present was very special. So currently, we're also working on another expansion. This one is called the Southern Expansion, and it will wrap around the Air Force Memorial on the southern edge of the cemetery. We've had tremendous uh, support from Congress and from the administration. We already have a little over $200 million of that funded before we need it um, because it's going to be a few years before we're going to be able to get to that construction. And so when we are able to complete that expansion, it will give us another 37 acres. But no matter what we do, we will not be able to expand to be able to provide capacity for all those that wish to be laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. For those familiar with the greater Washington, D.C. area, that is adjacent to 395, correct, as you're heading south outside of Washington, D.C.? That is correct. It's uh, 395. It's literally down the street from the Pentagon uh, off of Columbia Pike. Let me go back to the remains of those two Union soldiers. How did you recover the remains? How did you find them? So the National Park Service, uh, the National Park Service basically takes care of all the battlefields in the United States. And so Manassas is a battlefield. There were two uh, major uh, conflicts there during the Civil War, known as Bull Run and Bull Run Two. So a few years ago, as I understand it, um, one of the Park Service contractors was doing a waterline repair and renovation and then inadvertently discovered the remains of what turned out to be two Union soldiers. Uh, they also discovered uh, several uh, disassociated limbs. And so in working with the Park Service, who, who asked the Smithsonian uh, museum to do the forensics and determine that these were, in fact, Union soldiers, we were able to transfer the custody of these soldiers to the Army. And because uh, we were able to determine they were casualties on the battlefield, they made them eligible to be laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. 
There are two U.S. presidents buried at Arlington National Cemetery, including President John F. Kennedy. How and why did that come about? Well, that, that is really special. You know, first, uh, uh, President Kennedy had visited Arlington National Cemetery, and he was standing at one of the highest points, which is the the original Arlington House or the uh, original plantation area of Mary Lee Custis and her husband, Robert E. Lee. And so he looked at the view where you can see almost the entire national capital area and said, I could look at this view forever. And so after he, you know, tragically, uh, you know, passed away, um, Arby worked with uh, his wife, you know, with Jacqueline Kennedy, and asked her if he, she wanted to have him laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery in a location that would be close to that view that he loved so much. And so that's, that's how it came about. But that was the first time that America truly saw what a full military honors and full military escorts burial service is. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And that's when the demand and the interest at Arlington National Cemetery just skyrocketed. And explain that part of the process, the full military ceremony. What goes into it? What happens? So there's several things that happen. You know, first, the, the usual military honors that everybody gets, every veteran gets, uh, is the, uh, the funeral casket team of the honor guards, the presentation of the flag you know, to the family, the plane of taps, and a chaplain. But for the full military honors, full escorts, there's also a marching element. Uh, there is a band. And then what's really special is the Army's uh, Ode Guard. This is the 3rd Infantry Regiment, the oldest active regiment in the Army. Uh, has a horse-drawn caisson that they draw through the cemetery, followed by the marching elements, to the gravesite. And so it's, it's very moving, and it's just, it's just incredible to see the honor and the dignity of that full military honors and full escort service. So when President Kennedy was laid to rest, you had all of that. And because it's a president, that there's a very large size of the marching element. Well, inside Arlington today, we start within Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, in that case, that marching element came down Memorial Avenue into the gates of the cemetery. So it was just an unbelievable, um, unbelievable sight. And a very solemn ceremony, of course. Who qualifies to participate in these ceremonies? Who in the military and how are they trained? So all of the military armed services have honor guards that are stationed here in the national capital region. So they have other duties besides Arlington National Cemetery. The, the military parades, um, the different events at the White House, all the different ceremonies that the Army and the Air Force and the Navy and the Marines have within this national capital Region. These are the, the assigned military uh, honor guards for those events. And so part of their duty also supports the services that are on to National Cemetery. So there's training on the protocol and the movements and how to conduct a service. And let me go back to the presidents buried there. Only two. Only two. Only two. But, but Steve, everything that we just talked about with the type of honors that are rendered for any president— that passes away in the U.S., that same amount of military honors is then they goes to his resting place and conducts the same type of service as you would see at Arlington National Cemetery. As you look at the expansion, at some point you will run out of space. We will. How do you deal with that? 
So first, without uh, an exp- any further expansion, and especially without changes in eligibility, we will be at full capacity for first burials by 2041. 2041. Most people uh, are familiar with Section 60. Section 60 has veterans of every conflict, but people have come to associate it with the Gulf War. We're going to be full in three to four years. So if we build southern expansion, that will only take us to 2055. And for a cemetery that's 154 years old, we want to make sure that we're able to be open for veterans that have served in the past, but also that that five-year-old who someday is going to raise his or her hand and serve this nation. So the recent uh, 2019 John McCain National Defense Authorization Act uh, had a provision that requires the Secretary of the Army, in coordination with the Secretary of Defense, to prescribe revised uh, inurement eligibility criteria by 30 September 2019. And so we conducted a... uh, extensive uh, public survey earlier this year. We had 230,000 people respond. That is amazing for any survey, but especially one conducted by the government. 230,000 people. So what they told us was overwhelmingly, 96%, keep Arlington National Cemetery open into the future, which we define of at least another 150 years. Uh, Overwhelmingly, uh, most people said, keep it open, but also make changes in eligibility if required to be able to stay open and active into the future. So we're looking at various ways to do that. And so sometime next year, we'll do a draft public rulemaking to say what that solution would be so that we're able to prescribe those changes as Congress has asked us to do and the president has signed into law by around this time next year. Eligibility being one factor, but also the land itself. Is there additional space around the cemetery? Well, that's tough because this is a very developed area here in the National Capital Region. Um, one thing I'll, I'll also say, though, is veterans have options. Veterans have options. The Veterans Affairs uh, has 136 military national cemeteries in the U.S., and they are looking to expand further. The states that are funded initially by the VA have 110 military cemeteries for their for the residents of those states. So veterans have, have a lot of options. We only have a little over 100,000 spaces. A little over 100,000. Southern expansion will add another roughly 60,000. And yet the veteran population, those that have served but then got out or not drawn retirement pay, is 18 million. The retiree population is 2.2 million. The total active component is also over 2 million. So Arlington National Cemetery can only serve a fraction of those eligible today. So it's very good that the VA has a goal that there will be a military cemetery within 75 miles of 95% of the veterans in this U.S. But Arlington is special. We want to keep it special and also keep it open for the future. So there's changes in eligibility that we could make. And then there's also the expansions, the southern expansion. And we have very little opportunity to do more than that. But we are looking for other options as well. The 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, the end of World War One now as we commemorate Veterans Day, which is forever November 11th, not the Monday after it's November 11th, correct? It is November 11th, and there there is no Monday holiday for Veterans Day. It is November 11th, so you, you said it well, the 11th hour of the 11th month of the 11th day of November. So 1918, that was the start of what we now call Veterans Day. It was originally called Armistice Day. 
because it was when World War I ended and the peace treaty was signed. And so at that time, it, uh, a wreath was laid uh, at Arlington National Cemetery. And so we've been doing it ever since, you know, at 11, 11 o'clock in the morning on the 11th day of the 11th month. So uh, Armistice Day eventually became known as Veterans Day. It started out at Armistice Day for World War I. In 1946, it was Armistice Day for veterans of World War I and World War II. Then 1954 became Veterans Day for all veterans. So we're getting ready uh, for Veterans Day for, for this year. So the Secretary of the, of the VA, Veterans Affairs, will, will lay a wreath along with the Military District of Washington commander at the Tomb of the Unknown, and that will be followed by a ceremony in the amphitheater, and that is open to the public. You know, and, and for, we'll let everybody in until we basically are, are filled with capacity. Um, there will be a, a program there uh, in the amphitheater. Uh, our Secretary of the Army will provide welcoming remarks, and then the Secretary of the VA will be the primary speaker, and then there will be other invited guests from the VA that will speak as well. So it, it's quite a special, quite a special day. Uh, people can start arriving around 7. At 8 o'clock, we will open the gates, and also we will have buses that will take people up uh, to the Memorial Amphitheater um, until we're close to when the ceremony starts. And then there'll be restricted movement then. The rest of the cemetery will be open. And then as soon as the event's over, the entire cemetery will be open again. So we, pre we encourage people to come out, you know, pay the respects to our veterans that serve this nation, but also take in the rich history and, and, the, and the culture in our National Cemetery and come to our new section. Come to our new section uh, there. We'll have uh, buses running there as well. It is, uh, it is quite spectacular. This year, President Trump, of course, will be in France to commemorate the end of World War I. Has every president since Abraham Lincoln been to Arlington Cemetery? At some point, every president has, has been to Arlington National Cemetery. We have two major observances a year, um, Memorial Day and Veterans Day, but... We have, on a frequent basis, uh, we are visited by heads of states of other nations, chief of staffs of armies of other nations, or, or armed forces. So it is very frequent that we'll have other nations, and at times, depending on what's going on, it could be the president or the vice president, uh, will come out and visit as well because people understand the significance of the hollow ground and the national symbol of our international cemetery. As we move from Veterans Day to the Christmas holidays, every year, the wreaths around Arlington. How did that come about? So that's called Wreaths Across America. And it came about when a, a, a firm that's located in Maine, and it's owned by a couple named Wooster, um, were, had, basically had, had wreaths, that, that they made wreaths. And then they got the idea that they wanted to have wreaths placed on veterans' graves at Arlington National Cemetery. And so this is, a, this is a charity where people can donate and buy a wreath. And it has just grown to the point that they're not just placing wreaths on Arlington National Cemetery, but on other military cemeteries as well. Last year, we stopped counting after 90,000 people were trying to come into Arlington. We had probably about 110,000 people. It, it is just truly incredible the way people... Uh, want to come there and then lay a wreath at every at every single grave at Arlington National Cemetery, but also at our Soldiers and Airmen's Home Cemetery that's in the middle of of, the, of uh, D.C. So this year, Wreaths Across America, which calls Wreaths In, uh, the date is 15 December. So people will be able to show up, uh, start to come in before 8 in the morning. Um, there will be no uh, 
Um, vehicles allowed within the cemetery. People can park in the parking garage until it's full. So it's better to get there by metro or bus. There will be buses running from the Pentagon parking lot. They will take people over there. We will open the gates at 8, 8 a.m. Everybody can come in and help us lay wreaths um, until we've laid a wreath at every single grave. And finally, let me ask you about you. How did this job come about? So I have uh, served the Army as a civilian for, for many, many years. I am an engineer by, by education and, all, and also by trade. So I spent most of my career with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, lots of different places in, in, in construction and uh, operations uh, uh, overseas and in this country. I, I deployed to Iraq because the Army does deploy civilians to the battlefield. But in my own time for the past several years, I've been a volunteer at Arlington National Cemetery mostly with the Patriot Guard Riders. That is a, uh, a motorcycle-based group, though you don't have to ride a motorcycle to participate, uh, that started by honoring uh, veterans at their burial services and now has expanded to about 350,000 members that, at the request of families, will provide funeral escorts and things like uh, homes for veterans and lots of different things. So the Army uh, decided to, to recruit for an executive director. And I made some phone calls and realized that what an incredible fit, that I was able to take my engineering background and all the things that I've done in, in serving the Army, but also combine it with my passion to be able to support our veterans and understand the significance and the special place that Arlington National Cemetery is. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say that I, I applied and I went through a rigorous competition process, and then I was selected by Secretary of the Army uh, to have this honorable duty. What's your biggest challenge, and what is your greatest reward? So our biggest challenge uh, daily is to be able to provide the services that we do every day, foremost in taking care of our families, and do it in a way that balances the visitation and the visitors and the construction and everything else. But uh, other than that, the biggest challenge is the future, the future that we talked about, trying to decide uh, what eligibility changes to make and to actually make them. And it's an, it's an emotional topic and it's a personal topic for our veterans. And then the other piece, of course, is the expansions. We will successfully make that happen so that we're able to provide you know, even more availability for Arlington National Cemetery. And your greatest reward? Greatest reward is every single day. We talk every day about how we are honored and we are privileged to be able to serve there and serve our veterans and serve our families. We thank you very much for stopping by the C-SPAN studios. Thank you. And a reminder, this program and C-SPAN's Washington Today, available wherever you download your favorite podcast and all of our programming online anytime at cspan.org. We thank you for listening.